This is the Business Storytelling Show, a top global marketing podcast listened to in more than 100 countries, live streamed on social media, and broadcast on DBTV. Christoph Trapp chats with industry leaders to help your company tell better business stories. Here's today's episode. The Visual Sale. This was a book I read recent, recently. Um, really interesting read. And basically, um, you know, we got to do more video. We got to answer the questions people have on video. People can watch it on their own time. I don't want to oversimplify what the book is about, but who better to talk to than one of the authors? Of course, you have probably run across him before, Marcus Sheridan. We'll get him out of the green room here in a minute. I'm trying to figure out how we're going to look on the screen together. There you go. Um, many buttons to push. I'm still using Switcher Studio. Um, if you want to check them out, switcherstudio.com. I know you sometimes have to look away from the screen, um, but it's on the iPad right here. Take a look. Basically, it's my little production studio. Um, super easy to use. Um, wouldn't know what to do without those guys. All right, let's get Marcus out of the green room on the show and get the party going. Marcus, thanks for joining us today. Christoph, man, it's good to be here. And I tell you what, man, you are like the ultimate multitasker, knowing all the all the platforms you're streaming out to, brothers. <laughs> you don't miss a beat. Clubhouse wasn't on the list, though. <laughs> so <laughs> we did do a show with Mitch Jackson on Clubhouse, and I'm very torn because, yes, I was going to try it. and But here's the thing. Twitter is now rolling out Twitter spaces. So I'm like, I already got a big community on Twitter. Why do I need Clubhouse if I can do the same thing on Twitter? I don't isn't, know. Isn't that interesting? I think, you know, it's like uh, every social media <clears throat> thinks that the way to be innovative is to wait for a smaller platform to come out, watch it take fire, and then they try to mimic it, as we've seen many times. And, you know, I was actually talking about this uh, yesterday on LinkedIn, and that is... The reason why we have social media platforms, plural, with different names is because they have different nuances. And if we wanted them to be the same thing, we wouldn't need more than one. <laughs> I know. It's the, that's because so, what was funny to me is I, 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 had, I had talked about, hey, look, every platform has its nuances. And the key is understanding those nuances because if you post on LinkedIn like you're on Facebook, you're probably not going to blow up on LinkedIn. And if you post on Facebook like you're on LinkedIn, same deal. And so we have to f essentially understand the platform and understand those nuances. And somebody said, well, I think, the, I think you should be the exact same across the board. It's like, no, because otherwise <laughs> they wouldn't exist. You're not – you're not posting what you had for lunch on LinkedIn. It's just not how it works. At the same time, you're not going to talk about business all day long probably on Instagram and never show a photo. That's just not probably how it's going to work. Not if you want to really grow your audience there. Anyway, sorry for the mini rant. It was just on my mind. No, and that's okay. That's 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 what we live for around here. The mini rants, sometimes they're major <laughs> rants. It's it's all good with me. I, I do them too. But it, it's true. I mean, it's it's just interesting how everybody's just copying each other. And and I'm saying, you know, if I'm already over here and it's going well, I'm not coming to you if you know I have to build a new community. And it's sometimes it's the same people. <laughs> Why do I need the same thing on every channel? But let's talk about your book. So what I found interesting about the book, very easy to read. And I always like to bring that up because some of you guys out there, you're writing books 
and they're not formatted in a way that I can read them. And here's what I mean by that. Just one long paragraph. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Even if you're Amen. writing like that, it's just unbelievable. So super easy read, super, you know, lots of good information. Um, and But let's talk about what, what prompted you to, to write about the visual sale and what does that mean and what are some of the key takeaways? Well, you know, the, the biggest thing... A few years ago, I said to my team, so I've got an agency, it's called uh, Impact. And it's really a, it's really a, a training and, and education company. At this. And I said, listen, video's getting huge. We all know it's getting huge. But is the future of video companies outsourcing all their video to video production companies? Is that the future? And of course, the answer is no, because the future is being quick, being nimble, and being able to produce your own stuff. The internet is dominated by those that have the ability to produce their own stuff. And so the same is true of video. Whether you're a single, like, I believe that those that dominate online are not going to have to pick up the phone so as to get the work produced and to get it done. So I said, is it possible to teach companies how to create a culture of video in-house? And he's like, I don't think that's, I don't think that's going to work. I'm like, well, I believe it's going to work. So we're going to start teaching companies how to do this. We're not going to make their videos. We're going to teach them how to make their own videos. And since that time, we've had hundreds of clients. Every single one has an in-house videographer. Usually they don't have one when they contact us. And as part of working with us, they get one and we train that in-house video, working team on video to the point where it becomes a culture. And so that's where this comes from. And the trends in video are so obvious. And it's not just video. It's virtual. It's visual. And this whole mindset of we want to see it, man. We want to see it if we're going to buy it. And we don't want to just read it because that ain't enough anymore. And so... That was the reason for it, and it worked out really well, too, because COVID just escalated everything 10x in that regard, and so it really was pretty dang good timing. Well, and timing is always part of it, but what's interesting to me is, first of all, yes, video is easier and easier to produce. I mean, think about what we're doing here. You know, We're going live, and, and don't get me wrong, it is a little bit of a learning curve when you first start, but once you got to figure it out... I mean, we're alive everywhere. Then we turn the thing in a podcast. Then, you know, um, Marcus's book is highlighted on Amazon. And I'll send you a screenshot after. But we actually, you know, we're live on your book page. So as long as we're talking, we're on the book's page. Would have been unheard of years ago. And then, you know, we use the video everywhere. So but why is it so hard for people? Or maybe it's not. Maybe I'm assuming something. But why is it hard for companies to get started with video? I mean, are they overthinking it? Are they over? Such a great question. It? Or, or what's going on? Yeah, they're over everythinging it usually in most <laughs> cases. But I'll just I'll say this as a starter, and this is one of the major points of the book, and that is, most companies, if you said to them, "What department owns video?" Ninety percent are going to say marketing. Ninety percent, and that's the fatal flaw, because video should be a sales first initiative, and I would argue and we argue this in the book, that it should actually come out of sales budget. Now, there's a bunch of reasons for this, but if you're doing video the right way, 
the initial videos that you produce, the sales team is going to literally see them as tools in their toolbox that can immediately integrate into the sales process, right? And now you're getting immediate returns on your video. Because if you're a traditional organization, you've got a budget. You might have a controller. You might have a CFO. You might just have a business owner. But somebody wants to know, is this stuff making us any money, right? Which is the marketer's ultimate like tell. Is it actually making us any money? And so because many are resistant to video and because you want your video department to grow and those efforts to grow, you start with the sales emphasis. You get it in the hands of the sales team. You teach the sales team how to integrate video into the sales process. And then everything starts to take off. And then they get more excited about it. And then they're more willing to participate in the videos as subject matter experts. And then they're more willing to help marketing. And then now the two departments, instead of being so dang siloed, which is a huge problem in organizations around the world, are now way more aligned because of it. Well, and I see that more and more that they are getting more and more aligned. I mean, there's many marketing teams now that have at least the BDR function on That's their right. team, right? That's I right, mean, which that, totally makes sense. Why the BDR function is always just on the sales side, it actually doesn't make sense. And when the BDR function is more of a marketing-based activity, what it does, it forces the marketing team to understand the leads they're producing. and the inherent flaws or gaps of knowledge of said leads, which therefore tells them, you know what? We got some serious issues of content we need to produce, campaigns we need to run that we wouldn't have noticed had we had our blinders on. So I'm really glad you make that point right there, Crystal. That's a really good point. Well, it's my one good point for the day. <laughs> we'll take it it's for the win, I'm baby. Done. I'm done with it. Um, so, but let's talk about the, the, how long does it actually take to work? I mean, so for example, you talk about, you got to create some content. I'm a big fan of that, of course, you know, create, and, and I actually just used your company at, at the PupCon uh, conference on local SEO. Um, I used your blog as an example, and I don't remember the exact details on what, what you offer, whether it's fiber, fiber pools or the fiber other glass one. pools. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Fiberglass pools or the other one. But I made the comment, I said, take a look at their blog. And they have, on the, the top thing says, here's the difference between these three types of pools. And I said, at least one of them, they don't even sell. <laughs> That's but they're correct. talking about it. Well, you know, the philosophy is, of course, they ask you answer. And that's what so many people know me for. And that was the original book that I wrote four years ago. And it came out in a revised version uh, last year. And then the visual sale came out as a, just a focus on video about four months ago, and they ask you answer is it's really wild, man. I mean, it's just like the movement of being more transparent with what we're willing to say as businesses, uh, specifically talking about pricing, has just taken off. And so it's been wild for me. You know, it's like just, just, uh, it was literally just last night I got an email saying that it's being translated into Polish, which is, you know, this is awesome, right? It's just, that's what you love to, that's, that's what it's all about, right? And it's because you're seeing so many different countries, different uh, uh, cultures and organizations embracing the mindset of, we need to obsess over the, the questions our customers are asking. We need to be willing to address them, whether they appear to us good, bad, or ugly. We need to do it honestly and transparently. We need to stop being so dang, quote, salesy and more teach 
first mindset with certainly with our marketing approach. And if we do that, we're going to win the trust. We win the trust, we win the day, right? That is the idea. And what better ways to win the trust than to show the thing over video and to allow them to see it. You know, it's like every company likes to say they have secret sauce, but rarely do they ever show the secret sauce. And just by you showing the thing, showing what you do and how you do it, that makes you very different than the marketplace. Absolutely. And the other thing I also loved about the book, you talk about the 80-20 rule or whatever it is. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit, right? But 80% or whatever the salespeople talk about, they're just repeating themselves over and over and over and over. And I do the same thing (laughs) as a digital transformationist, I guess. Um, but but how do you? I mean, is that that's where you start with the video? Yeah. Or, or so so people say to me all the time, okay, Marcus. So what's the first video we should produce, right? As a company, as an organization, I'll tell you the first one that everybody seems to produce that doesn't work. It's called the About Us video, and it's one of the biggest wastes of budget that we have ever seen in the history of sales and marketing. Because when was the last time a salesperson said, you know what? If I could just show this prospect our About Us video. I guarantee you they would buy. No. Instead, where you want to start is what's called the 80% video. What's the 80% video? If you go to a sales team, B2B, B2C, doesn't matter what they sell. It's all the same jam. And you say, what percentage of the questions you get when you meet with the prospect are essentially the same questions every single time? The answer is somewhere between 75 and 90%. Okay, Every time. So let's call it 80%. In other words, 80% of the questions a salesperson is addressing day in and day out are the same ones. Why on earth do we continue to answer the exact same questions over and over again? What would happen if before you met with that prospect, they already knew the answer to those 80%? And not only did they know the answer, they had heard it from you. They had watched it from you. How would that first sales appointment be different? Would it be faster? Yes. Would the sales cycle be shortened? Yes. Would closing rates go up? Yes. Would sales teams be happier? Yes. Would they be more qualified? Yes. Would you filter more people out? They're spending more time with those that are definitely a better fit. Yes. These are the types of things that we should be doing. And that's why if you create an 80% video, you take those fundamental questions and generally say seven to 10 major questions that you're getting asked all the time in that first sales call. And you create one video that addresses all seven to 10 and you do a mashup of it. Now people say, well, that sounds like a little bit longer of a video. Yes, because the dumbest stat in the history of the internet, and there are some dumb ones, but the dumbest stat that I read is this idea that all videos should be less than, depending on the day, 90 seconds or 60 seconds. Because they say after 90 seconds, there's a big really big drop off of viewers after seven seconds. That doesn't mean every video should be seven seconds. And so the point is, video length coincides with where the buyer is in the buying cycle, as well as their fear of making the wrong decision. And so If somebody's getting ready to write me a check tomorrow, let's say for a swimming pool for $50,000, do you think they're willing to watch a video more than 10 minutes in length? For the love of all that 
we see these recommendations all the time that, no, 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 it shouldn't be that long. Now, should it be that long on Facebook? Probably not. That's a short form video platform. Should it be that long on YouTube? Yes, because that's a long form platform. So again, it goes back to knowing the platform and adjusting it accordingly to the nuances of said platform. Well, it's, I, I think it's people try to oversimplify things. I mean, I get it too, right? People say to me, oh my goodness, podcasts need to be short. And here's the reality of things. When I see a podcast that's two minutes, I don't even bother because it doesn't even start, right? Like, I don't even bother. No on, these li- right. on these live streams, same thing. You know, we're going to talk for, I don't know, 30 minutes, maybe longer. But people come in, people come out, people leave, people come back. It's like a constant revolving door. The other thing I love about videos, and then I want to get to my question that I have for you here, is I love the authenticity. It's so hard to fake being nice. Like, <laughs> we're, we're, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's 30, good. For 30 minutes. I mean, like, you know, either we're nice or personable or whatever, or people don't like us because they hear us for 30 minutes. So you either, you know, one or the other. But when you create these videos, I mean, how do you get them in front of people? I mean, are they you send them to them and say, hey, I don't we don't need to meet here. Check out the video or, or what's like the, the flow? The, the first, you know, like from a marketing standpoint, we're always thinking, how do we how do we share that video online? But the first thing that you need to be thinking about is how do you teach your sales team to integrate it into the sales process? And that is why. An example of what this would look like, Christoph, is let's say, you know, let's say you're a sales professional. The mistake that sales teams make is they do stuff like this, man. They'll say, yeah, uh, so before our call on Friday, um, I'm going to send you a video. It would be great that if you could, you know, give it a look. Now, that's lame. You did not get a commitment. And the person's like, okay, so you're sending me a video. What's in it for me, right? It means nothing. Whereas, instead of doing that, what if I said something like this? You know, Christoph, you're getting ready to spend a lot of money on a pool. And if you're going to spend a lot of money, I know you don't want to make any mistakes. And so as to make sure you don't make any mistakes, I'm going to make sure you're well-educated. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to send you two things before we meet on Friday. First thing I'm going to send you is a video showing the entire process of the pool being installed in a backyard so you see what that looks like. And Friday, you're not going to say to me, so Marcus, what does this process look like? You're already going to know. I'm also going to send you another video. Now, this other video is great because it's going to answer the major questions that everybody that's in your position has. Specific questions like, should I get a heater with my pool? What's the best type of heater? Should I get a cover? What's the best type of cover? That's the type of stuff it's going to dive into. Now, the video is a little bit long, but I promise it'll be well worth your time. Will you take the time, Christoph, to review those things before our appointment on Friday? And 90% of the time, the person says, absolutely, thanks. I appreciate that. And guess what? If they do it, you are winning. Winning, winning, big time. And are your competitors doing this? No, they're not. So you don't want to be passive, but you notice what I did. As I explained clearly what's in it for them, why they would want to view the videos, and then I got the confirmation. Will you take the time to review these things? That's actually the first thing you should teach your team and think about when you start creating video. Then comes, okay, how do we show it online? How do we repurpose it? Where do we put it? 
promote it? Where do we put it on the website? Do we put it on YouTube, et cetera, et cetera? And the answer is we should use it everywhere. I'm a big fan of throwing content at parade. People hear me talk about it probably daily, right? Create ones, publish everywhere. But I, I love the idea because they're, you know, when salespeople come in, especially on a big per, uh, purchase, you know, why is that the starting point? And I actually thought about what you were just saying when Adam Morgan was on the show from Adobe, he said, people do um, brainstorming wrong. And here's what they do. They come to a meeting and say, here's some post-it notes, write your ideas on it. And I hadn't even thought about it at all until sure. that moment. So what you just described, basically, I think about putting in a pool or a hot tub or whatever the thing is, right? right? Or a yeah. bathroom even, which we just did or still doing. And, you know, I, I already want to do it, but now you send me something else that gets me thinking so I don't start at zero when I'm talking to you. You're exactly right, Christoph. And the other side to this is if you talk to any salesperson and you say, do you ever get questions from a prospect that make you roll your eyes and say, seriously, did they just ask me that? Right. Every salesperson has gotten that question. Some of them get it all the time. Now, why do we get those questions? Because we allow ignorance to exist in the marketplace. So the marketplace is as informed or as ignorant as we allow them to be. If we are pushing the envelope of making sure they're well-informed, not being embarrassed to talk about their obvious questions on the front end, especially during that 80% of the buyer's journey, which we know occurs before they even freaking talk to the salesperson, right? Well, then we're way better off than our competitors who are still sitting there in 2021 saying, I'm just going to wait till they ask. And if they ask, I'll talk about it. And come on, what in the world? That ostrich with their head in the sand is never going to become the voice of trust in their space. It is fundamentally impossible. Well, and sometimes I don't know what to ask, right? So if I get a video that everybody else has all the questions that everybody else asked about, uh, it could be very helpful. So who should be in these videos? I mean, should it be the specific salespeople? And or how does that how does that work? Yeah, it should be. It should be your subject matter experts. And people say all the time, well, I don't think my team is good on video. There's two major solutions to this. All right. First and easiest solution. You know, if I went to your team and I said, So um, are you good talking with people when you like customers, prospects? So when you have a meeting with them, do you feel like you're pretty proficient at that? You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just not good on video. Okay. So the problem is you're treating the videos you do differently than the meetings you have with a prospect. And so when we have, when we do video, one of the simplest things that you can do is put someone else on camera with the subject matter expert and have them have a conversation. That's simple. That's simple. And this way they can do what they always do, which is simply talk teach. That's the first thing. So put on someone that can ask the questions that can facilitate the conversation. And the second element is for the love of all that's pure and holy, teach your team on camera performance skills and techniques. And there's not like, this is one of those things. It doesn't require mountains of time. I have been with uh, different organizations that brought me in Chris office that said, Hey Marcus, can you come in and do some just communication on camera performance training? I'm like, yeah, you can take somebody who literally one minute says, 
video's just not my thing. I'm just not good on camera. Like they've literally labeled themselves as that. And then an hour later, that same person will say, oh my goodness, I think I might be a natural. I've seen it over and over. But why do they struggle? Because they don't get taught the simplest of techniques. And the most important technique that you can teach your team, because I know you're thinking if you're watching this, what's the most important te technique that I can teach myself or my team is this. It's what we call all the no the no stop rule is something that you are using right now, Christoph. I'm using it right now. We have to do it whenever we go live, and that is this. We don't stop no matter what happens. We flub up a word, we don't say, hey, let's uh, cut that, let's 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 do that again. We're always moving forward, making progress with the conversation. We're not looking back on where we just screwed up, where we went. Us, you know, something drops, something goes out. We just keep going because that's the choice that we have. That's the choice that we have. So it's the no stop rule. So often I'll watch a company outsource their video, bring in a video production company, and as soon as they mess up on camera, they'll start over. And every time they mess up, the sweat beads just build. And I just want to vomit when I see this. Whereas you don't have to do that because you don't do that. Think about it. When was the last time, if you're listening to this, you're with a 10-minute conversation. You said, you know what? I totally just whiffed on that. Let's just start the whole thing over again. This never <laughs> happened. So right. your ability to be a one-take wonder on video is as high as anyone else's if you just follow the no-stop rule. That yeah. you say to yourself, no matter what happens right now, <clears throat> I am not going to stop. You teach your team that, you're going to start to see a huge, huge impact. And I mean, it, it, that's a fantastic rule. And, and one thing I actually, I'm, I'm just finishing up here, Marcus, and I'm, I'm going to include your quote, if that's okay with, with you there, uh, going live, coming on Amazon. Um, how do you go live and how do you do it? Um, quicker and how do you get there as a brand and and that's really that's one of my rules too I didn't call it that until you just uh, used that terminology but I don't stop we keep going if I mispronounce your name you say to me hey dude that's not how you pronounce my name I had a lawyer on the show one time and I said this is how I do it and he said well that's good but you're not a lawyer <laughs> and we just, we just roll with it right we just keep going um, so when you say the subject matter experts, though, who is that? And is it the like, is it the salespeople or like? Well, oftentimes it? it's the salespeople, but for some organizations, mm -hmm. it could be the engineers. For some people, organizations, it could be those that are in the service department. It really varies across the board. But anybody that could answer a question that a prospect, a customer, a buyer has is a potential subject matter expert. They don't have to be customer facing. They just have to have a knowledge about something that somebody else, in this case, would want to know. And so more of your employees are potential subject matter experts than you realize, oftentimes, is what we have found. And the more that get involved, oftentimes, the better it is. The more excited they get about having such a, a significant part in the company's brand, and they feel as an employee even more aligned with the brand when they are on video. And so it's a beautiful thing when it happens, but you know, not enough companies do it. Not enough companies take video seriously. And, I, and I've got to say this, 
If you want to get serious about video as an organization, somebody in the company's got to own the production, period. Mm -hmm. So if you're a solopreneur, part of your title is lead videographer. Or if you're like me and you've got three what would be considered small businesses, right? For each one of those companies, I have a full-time videographer for each one. Why? Because it matters that much. And I also know that I'm not going to take all the time to do all the, I'm not going to learn to be a great editor. So I'm going to pay somebody to do it because it matters that much. And this is why I can consistently put out video. My companies put out video is because we don't outsource it. We don't leave it up to chance. It's just what we do. Yeah, it, it, definitely bringing it in house certainly helpful. How about equipment? So let's talk about that for a second. I got the 4K camera here. I got the ring light. I got this fancy mic, but it, it hasn't always been like that. In fact, we got to like a hundred thousand downloads on the podcast version, and I never even used any fancy equipment. I used my iPhone and my my um, Apple AirPods. Um, but how do people get started? What do they need to buy, if anything? Well, that's that's the thing right there, Chris. I was like, you chose progress over perfection when you started. Too many brands and individuals feel like they need to choose perfection first, and they don't launch. It doesn't happen that way. Everybody, especially when it comes to learning and doing technology and, and using these new mediums, everybody has to learn to crawl before they walk and walk before they run. That's life. It's been that way since the beginning of time. And for some reason, sometimes you have these organizational leaders that are like, this isn't up to our brand standards. Well, that's fine. But guess what? You ain't never going to produce jack squat because your bar is unrealistic and it ain't going to happen. So go ahead and hire that video production company to make you two videos a year, spend $100,000 on it, while the person that is working out of their basement is doing circles around you online because of the fact that they're fast, nimble, quick, and don't have all the dang red tape. We see that every single day, right? This is why we've got to be producers. We've got to learn to do it in-house. So, you know, we, we consistently see that's the issue. When it comes to equipment, I don't, I don't you know, really, I've seen companies do amazing things just with their phones. I would say this, just as a general rule of thumb, pay attention to audio. Don't allow your audio to be poor. That's where if you're going to put a good focus, make sure you focus that early on because the brain has patience with low visual production, but complete impatience with bad audio. Mm -hmm. That's why I wear a headset. I like to move all around. I'm back and forth. I'm standing like, so I'm using a nice Sennheiser right now because I want my voice to be crisp whether I'm talking soft or whether I'm going off, which is, you know, all the time, I want it to be clean. And so I would say, make sure you lean into the audio side of video. And audio, I mean, it's, it's easier than ever today too. I mean, there's so many different options um, and they're not that expensive. I mean, you can get something good for, I mean, under a under hundred bucks for sure. The other thing is too, what's interesting is when it comes to just your phone, I mean, I've done true reality video just with your phone. Crazy, right? How things have evolved. So yes, I'm I'm a big fan of that. And when I think about SEO, Marcus, um, hey, this article 
is not has no chance to rank. And do you know why? Because we don't get it published. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You've got to get it out the door. Same with these shows, man. You got to get them out the door. You got to talk. You got to share them and go from there. Hey, it was fantastic to have you on the show. I really, and I don't say this lightly, my friends, I would really highly recommend uh, his book. And who was the co-author again? It was somebody His name from- is Tyler Lassard. He's from Vidyard, which a lot of people know Vidyard because they got an amazing one-to-one video tool. But if you're serious about wanting to do better video and you want to approach it from a sales and marketing standpoint, you want a bunch of ideas of videos you should be producing, make sure you get the book, The Visual Sale. And if you haven't gotten They Ask You Answer, Make sure you read that one too. Uh, but Christoph, man, it was it was great chatting with you today, man. Love what you're doing. Love your style. Love your audience. Love your energy. It's just it's excellent. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks everyone for listening and watching. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review the Business Storytelling Show on your favorite podcast platform, and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. See you then. <laughs>